The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and we're webcasting to you live from the Center for Autism and Related Disorders headquarters in Tarzana, California. So thrilled to be here with you on this Tuesday in March. We, you know, every month we try to have an overriding theme for the show. And in this month, we're really gonna be talking about what's new, what's hot, what's working in the field of autism. So this entire month is devoted to that, you know, happy March where we're gonna take on what's hot. I know that for a a lot of you, especially here in the United States, we we are all, and even here in Los Angeles, and I and I feel I laugh because you know we shouldn't be included in this, but we've had a lot of rain, a lot of rain in the last few days, and I and I know that that's nothing compared to the amount of snow and ice that all of the rest of you have had around the country, even in places that don't normally have snow and ice. Uh, but I, I I'm hearing from all of you. I'm sick of the winter. I'm ready for spring. I want a change, and and we're ready for you for that to happen. I, I know, you know, it, coming from me, it sounds ridiculous because here I am in sunny California, but I grew up in upstate New York. So I understand and I went to college and then taught college in, in upstate New York, right in that uh, lake effect area. So I, I understand when you say you're done. I can remember. And we're hoping that there will be a break in the weather soon. Spring is on the way, they, they tell me in all corners. Uh, and they're practicing baseball, so we, we know it's got to come at some point, right? But we need a little uplifting. We need a little, uh, you know, all of us are feeling a little like, Ugh, right? Uh, it's just the way of the season. Uh, we know that we got to water some things, we got to plant some seeds, and some things will grow. And we're not just talking about uh, plants, right? Where this is the time of year when we, we got to scale back a little bit, reassess, and figure out what to plant anew. And that's true for autism as well. So we're going to be talking about what things are effective, what areas you may want to look into to get more done. Because that's really what this is all about, is making progress. Everybody has a different road to hoe, right? But we all want to see progress. So this entire show, we, we try to take autism and look at it from a 360 degree point of view and try to connect you with resources for wherever you are, whatever is meaningful to you so that you can get to that progress. To us, we welcome parents, teachers, practitioners. We welcome individuals who are on the autism spectrum. We know that we all have one thing in common. That's that looking for the progress. And we know that it's available, right? Uh, but it 
isn't going to be one size fits all. So we got a lot to, lot to cover, a lot to talk about. But today in particular, it's going to be very exciting because our guests today are pretty remarkable. So I want to fill you in before we get any further about how you can interact with this because this entire show is meant to be interactive. Emily's going to show you some of the varied ways that you can watch the show and contact us. I'll remind you that if you go to our homepage, which is autism-live.com, you can do both. You can be watching the live show. You can watch recently recorded shows. You can connect with us. It's all free and it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There is no, no, we don't close for holidays, right? So go to that site and when you go there, you can also click on our blog and check things going out on our blog. We've got some very excited things happening going there. There's even a free meditation we're giving away on the blog right now. Um, but if you're on the home page, you'll see a computer screen. You can click on the little triangle that's there and you can be watching the live show or the most recently recorded live show. And to the side of that, there's a long skinny white box. Put your cursor there and start typing, hit enter, and your question or comment will appear here on the screen. Now you guys, uh, you, you wrote in a lot over the weekend. It's a small novelette and I'm slowly getting through it and picking questions for what we're gonna say for Dr. Doreen tomorrow, what would be appropriate for our guests today. So don't despair, we will get to all of your questions this week, I promise. Uh, all right, so, but remember that's totally free. You don't have to log in. We don't know who you are. So if you have something and you say, hey, I heard heard you talk about this, first of all, be specific, because I don't know which hour you watched. If you say, I heard you talk about that recent study, and I'd like to get a copy of, you know, who the authors are so that I can take it to my IEP meeting. There are so many recent studies, I don't know which one you're talking about, so be as specific as possible, and then we'll try to connect you, but you've got to give me some way to get in touch with you if you want me to get back to you directly. Otherwise, we just talk about it here on the show, and that's fine. But if you want something specific, please let me know how to get in touch with you. I promise we won't share that with the people at home. We like to preserve your anonymity. All right. We also remind you, I remind you here at the start of the show that I am not an expert in autism. We will have tons of experts on the show throughout the week, but I won't be one of them. I'm a parent. That's why I'm here. My child was diagnosed with autism when he was two and a half. He is now 10 and a half, and he's doing remarkably because we had access to really good services. Quality ABA, which we talk about a lot here, and we did some other things as well, dietary and a little bit of biomedical, um, but we got information, and I always say to people, I have so much to pay forward. When I said to the parents who helped me get on the path, uh, I remember uh, about three months in and seeing such difference in my child and saying, how am I ever going to repay you? They said, you will pay it forward. So ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm here for, to keep paying it forward. I have so much to pay forward. And and my sort of mantra in the morning is that if I can save you five minutes and five dollars, then I did a good job today. Hopefully I can save you more than that, right? Uh, but we like to we like to be realistic here. Let's save you some time and hook you up with some resources. But you got to tell me what you need and then I will do my level best to try to help hook you up. And most importantly, I want to remind you, you are not in this alone. So many times I felt like I was alone and then it took me a couple of years before I realized how many people are in this with all of us. 
people who are affected by autism and people who have just made this their life's calling, even though they don't have any close relative on the spectrum, but they have a passion for helping us. So we are not alone and we can do this if we hang on to each other. Okay. So that's my spiel about that. We like to start every morning with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym, and we try to make sense of it. We were not born knowing what all these terms were. Uh, and most of us didn't hear these terms when we went to high school or college or graduate school, right? Unless you were specifically going for the subject of autism, <clears throat> you just didn't hear these kinds of things. And this week, unless your field is insurance, you didn't hear these terms, right? But you will now. And we have a choice that we can make. We can either be frustrated and mad that people are using these terms, or we can slowly begin to understand what they mean and how they apply to us and how we can use them to empower ourselves. That's what I want to do as a parent. I want to understand enough so that I'm empowered without having to waste a lot of time and read 7 million books. Okay, or spend 18 hours on Google trying to figure out what these things are. All right, so today our turn, our, our uh, phrase here is single case agreement. What you talking about, Willis, right? <laughs> I'm, I remember somebody saying, oh, well, you know, do you have a single case agreement? And you know, what? With what? With who? I understand each one of these words, but what they amount to, I don't know. So let's take a look at what our experts tell us the actual definition is. A single case agreement is agreement between a provider and an insurance carrier in which they agree to provide services for just one specific person. Okay, but what does that actually mean in our lives and when would this apply and why, why is this important? So let's take a look at our working definition here. Uh, a single case agreement is a way in which you get the insurance company to look at your child as an individual instead of being tied to the rules that are rigid. Mm, now it's sounding more interesting, right? Because a lot of times what we're seeing around the United States is that we have mandates in a lot of states and more coming. Thank you to uh, our friends, uh, Shelly Hendricks at Autism Votes, getting it done. Uh, okay, so we, if you've got a mandate and it says it, these insurance carriers have to fund autism, but each insurance, each state has a set of rules and each insurance uh, company has a set of rules too, and they have certain providers. It's just like when you want to go to a dentist, you have to ask, is this dentist covered? Do they accept my insurance? And does my insurance accept what they do? And do they have the way of working this out so I don't get a big fat whopping bill when the appointment is over with, right? Same thing with, in, uh, with insurance for autism. So you need to know that your provider has an agreement with the insurance company, but a lot of them don't yet. And a lot of them won't ever, right? Insurance companies are picking their providers now. They're a little bit, some of them, you know, they're at different rates. Some of them have already picked their providers. Some of them are still figuring out who their providers are. But let's say that you decided that you wanted to, there's a place around the corner from you and you know that they do good quality ABA and that's who you want to be your provider. And you go to your insurance company and the insurance company says, oh, sorry, we don't, they're not one of our um, in-network providers. 
do you just go, oh, well, okay. And so then I, the one mom who wrote in to me a couple of weeks ago who then had to travel two hours on a regular basis to get to the provider that they did cover. Well, that's a hardship, right? And you can make the case and ask for a single case agreement. Now it's starting to sound good, right? Now you're going, oh, maybe this is a term that I need to know. So you can go to the provider and ask them to make the case and this is really the best way to do it. Go to the provider and say, can you file for and get a single case agreement with my insurance? Now, the provider wants to do that because they want to help you, right? You know, they want to help you and they want the business. Let's be honest about that. Um, but it also helps them because it gets them in with that insurance company, which is going to be good for them. So let them do the work. Go to the provider that you want. Ask them if they are you know, to find out if they are covered by your insurance. If they're not, though, ask them, can you get a single case agreement to be my provider? I really think that that's the best way to do. Lots of people are doing it. It's happening all over the place. That's what it's called, a single case agreement. It will take longer to start services. Let's just keep it real here. But if that's the provider that's really convenient for you and you know that you have faith and trust that they're a good quality ABA provider, it's a very viable thing to do. Uh, but again, let the provider do the lion's share of the work, but know what the term means so that you can ask for it. Single case agreement, very helpful to a lot of families around the United States. A remarkable thing. I know sometimes the jargon you go, oh, I don't want to know what that is. And then you find out you go, oh, I really want to know what that is. All right. So uh, we always start the day, too, with a question that we have for you guys. And we want to know today, especially today, have you been able to get more autism services paid for by insurance? Uh, before the, the mandate took place where you're in, whether the mandate was 2014 starting Affordable Care Act or whether you got your mandate before, now that you have your mandate, are you able to get more services because you have them through insurance. There's a very big um, meeting that's happening today in California, and I'm actually going to give you more information about it later, where they're reviewing what the insurance reform has, the effect of it has been here in the state of California. A bunch of us, they, they, there was a survey, we were asked to write in and say, how things were working for us, if it's helped us, if it's hindered us. Um, and they're taking a look at all of that today. It's an amazing, amazing event. It's actually going to be televised later on today, and I'll give you that information later on. But uh, I think it's great that they're actually taking a moment to step back and say, hey, is this working? We wanted it to do this. Is it doing this? And I want to know the same thing. Have you been able to get more autism services now that ins now insurance is supposedly covering it for a lot of people? Are you still in the same place that you were in or has it made it worse? Might as well ask the question, right? I, my hope is that you're getting more, but if, it, if you aren't, it's something we got to be talking about, right? Okay, so that's our question for the day. We always have a topic for the week, and I mentioned for the month, our topic is what are, what's hot, what's new, what's working in the field of autism. And uh, so today, we're, we're talking about advances in autism, but specifically, all this week, we're going to be looking at insurance, advancements in getting it 
funded? How are we getting it funded? And um, we will talk about that a little bit today, but I really have some amazing guests who are going to be talking about some other things that have to do with advancements in autism. In just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Alex Plank from wrongplanet.net, an amazing young gentleman. And then a little bit later this hour, we're going to have Daniel Wendler. Um, and, Dan, and it says uh, Michelle Haskell, but Michelle will not be with us. We're going to have Daniel Wendler. And Daniel is an amazing young man, again, on the autism spectrum. Uh, and he is a speaker. He also works in the field of technology. But you're really going to want to hear what he has to say about improving your social skills. In fact, he has a website called improveyoursocialskills.com. So we'll be talking with Daniel about that. He also has a TED Talk that we showed you on last Thursday. So that young man, if you happen to check in on, on the show on Thursday. We're going to be having him here with us via Skype live. And then a little bit later, towards the end of the show, we've got another young man who is also on the autism spectrum, and he is a poet. He's an advocate as well, working hard to obtain services for individuals who are on the autism spectrum, but he's writing some amazing poetry that I think you're going to find very interesting. So all of that, plus we're going to be talking about, we went on Saturday to a really remarkable event, the Mardi Gras for autism done by Fullerton Cares and our one of our favorite people, Larry Hauser. So we're going to be talking about that. It was, I don't know how to even describe it. It was bizarre because it was an outdoor event and a Mardi Gras, you know, with all the party in the street, right? And we would have California weather where it would be sunny for five minutes and then torrential downpour. So, but the spirit of all the people who was there was absolutely amazing. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that in the next hour, but we really want to do a big shout out to Fullerton Cares. I left that day and, and I said to my husband, why don't we live in Fullerton? Uh, I gotta say, if you if you need to live someplace and you you haven't found a place to live, Fullerton, California, strikes me as a really beautiful place, uh, economically very sound, and man, do they support autism and autism services? You know, when we we go out to an event, usually we'll meet a lot of people, and one of the first things that I ask people is, "Have you started ABA yet?" And you know. I, I'm always depressed afterwards at how many people say, well, no, we haven't started or, you know, whatever the reason is, I'm, I'm always bummed because I say we're not getting it done. And I have to say that probably 90% of the people we spoke to at this event said, yep, we have great ABA services and we're making all kinds of progress. It's like, yay, hear the angels sing. Uh, really, really made me happy. And, and as a result, people already had their ABA services, so they were doing all kinds of other things in conjunction, which is makes me so happy, makes me so happy. We met some really amazing people there, some people who were doing water polo. I just, I can't wait. We're going to have them on the show. Uh, I got their card and we already talked to them about when they're going to be on. Water polo with kids on the autism spectrum. Now, a lot of our kids love the water. So water polo, a really remarkable thing. And just, there were so many other things. Uh, but that's the one that I got the most excited about, right? So uh, we will have them on the show, but we are going to talk a little bit later about this amazing Fullerton Cares, how it came to be and maybe how you guys can take and run with this idea as well. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to be back in just a few minutes. Stick with us.
Hello, activists. I've been sharing with you my 10 steps of empowerment for parents of children with autism. Now I'd like to share with you something that I read when my spirits get down from time to time. It's called Anyway. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. When you spend years building, it may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help but may attack you if you help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you've got and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you've got anyway. That's not from some self-help guru. That's from a sign hanging on the wall of the children's home in Calcutta where Mother Teresa ministered to the poorest of the poor. I'd like to say that the world of autism can be a very challenging and daunting one. But do the best you can to live in it and love in it to the fullest. Live it anyway. Welcome back to Autism Live. I really quickly want to start to address a couple of the questions that have come in that I don't want to wait for. Some of these I want to wait for Dr. Dorian Grampache tomorrow. And I want to encourage all of you, if you haven't before, Dr. Grampache is here with us on Wednesday mornings and she answers your questions live. And you can write in ahead of time on the live feature to let her know what you would like to have answered. We don't always get through all of the questions, right? But we bank some of them for later on in the week for our other experts that are here on Thursday day um, and then we will continue addressing them the following week we do eventually catch up we do a pretty good job of doing that between all of our different experts but uh, okay first question that I want to address somebody says uh, I saw a link to a video how to prevent your child from tantruming but it won't let me view it to help um, I want to I talk to our tech people sometimes you know it happens that a video breaks but that isn't the case on this one I assume it's the one that's the parent to parent uh, that you're talking about if it isn't please write me back and tell me which one it is but if you are having trouble watching any of the videos make sure that you update your flash player you know that's speaking Greek to me but that's what the tech people here have told me that there is a way in which you can easily update your flash player and that light in all likelihood that's what you need to do uh, if that doesn't work or you need help figuring out how to update the flash player please write to us on our Facebook page and I will I will refer you I will get somebody on the line with you who actually knows how to tell you how to do that it will not be me <laughs> You know, I uh, had trouble with my internet yesterday and was speaking to my internet provider about it. And she said 85 words in a row and that I did not understand. And I said, you might as well have said to me, put the fusion and put it in the center and then you want to make sure you click the fafa, right? I have no idea. Uh, okay. Then um, have some other questions here from some things that you guys wrote in. Somebody wrote how to treat with autism kids. Now, I'm not entirely sure whether you mean how do you give them a treat or how do you treat autism. So uh, if you can clarify for me, that would be awesome. Um, 
I've got other things here that I'm going to save for Dr. Doreen really so much. Okay, so this next one that I want to address immediately. My wife is concerned about our baby who just turned one. He doesn't seem to respond to his name, and I have noticed that too, although he does respond more to me than her. Is this something to be concerned about? Yes, it does. Uh, you know, there are lots of different ways that they are starting to evaluate kids. It used to be when my son was diagnosed that your pediatrician would ask your child a couple of quick questions at the age of two with their two-year-old checkup that would sort of screen for autism. And the things that they would ask at two, they would ask, because they were looking to see if the child could point. So they would ask the child, where's the light? And if the child pointed, then they were like, okay. And they would ask the child a question and see if they would get eye contact. There were like a series of six questions. Now they're starting to do things much earlier. And one of the things that they're doing at a year is standing across the room and saying the child's name and seeing if they will turn and orient and uh, look at the person who said their name. And if they don't, it's considered a warning sign. It doesn't by any means mean that that child has autism, right? It means, though, that something is not connecting in that moment, which is not necessarily something to, to get overly concerned about, but you can't let it go. That's the one thing that we know, because it could be that there's a hearing issue, right? And every day that you wait with a hearing issue, at one year old, your child is supposed to be, in the, in the neurotypical developing world, is supposed to be a sponge that is taking in all of this information receptively and starting to process it expressively. And if the child doesn't have the receptive ability to hear the things taking in, they are going to be behind on building their language skills. And there are things that they can do for a one year old that's having difficulty hearing that can boost that receptive. So, um, but if it's autism, if that's the reason why they're not responding to their name, it's a whole set of other things to be done. And every day that you wait, when a child is not making a developmental mi milestone, I know that pediatricians will say to you, oh, don't worry, it'll all work itself out. And someday, I don't know what it's going to take because the, uh, the American Pediatric Association has already expressed to the pediatricians, you need to be vigilant and help parents to identify because everyone knows there is nobody, I, even there are so many things that are debated and people who believe this and don't believe that and whatever, but the one thing that nobody is debating, we all know for sure that the earlier we catch autism, the better our results are likely to be, right? So we don't, we absolutely don't want to wait. I, I would encourage you to um, have your child's hearing tested immediately and to get your child screened for autism. Now that may not be your pediatrician. Um, you may start with your pediatrician and check with your insurance to see if you can get an appointment with a developmental pediatrician. Um, and if you're covered for that with your insurance, I would go that way first. If you, if you go to the developmental pediatrician and you don't feel like your questions were answered, then it's time to ramp it up and maybe have your child assessed by an autism center. But a year is not too early to 
start to get on these things. And by the way, if you don't want to go that whole path for whatever reason, you don't have to. You really could go into skills and and start looking at what some of the the skill uh, deficits are and some things to do to to see if you can on your own work with this child to get them to hear. But I gotta say, I want you to rule out medical things first before you do that, because if it is a hearing issue, all you're going to do is frustrate yourself and frustrate your child. So I really, really, really want you to be concerned and take some action. And then please, I will worry about this. So if you could let me know uh, what you end up deciding to do and what you end up finding out. We know lots of people who have started their kids at at one and a little bit older than one doing lessons. And what happens is they get the kid, the kids are like two months behind. Because how far behind can you be if you're a year old? The maximum you can be is a year old, year behind. And it sounds like your child has some skills, so they're definitely not a year behind. And if you can get them caught up for the stuff that they're a month behind, then you don't have to worry, right? But if you have a whole, wait till they're two and you have a whole year to catch up, it's a different ball game. It just is. So don't wait. All right. We are going to take a break and then we're going to come back with Alex Plank from wrongplanet.net. Stick with us. Skills is an online program that provides assessment, curriculum, positive behavior support planning for challenging behavior, and progress tracking, and it does this all in one place. The Skills Assessment and Curriculum addresses eight areas of development, which even includes advanced higher level areas such as executive functions and cognition, which pretty much makes Skills the only ABA-based set of curricula for teaching more complex skills, things like problem solving, planning, self-management, perspective taking, and even inferring and predicting others' private events. Skills is a four-step system. Step one is to add the child to your account. Step two is to start assessment. The skills assessment is the only ABA-based assessment with psychometric research demonstrating the language subscale to have excellent reliability. Every area of human functioning and typical child development from infancy to adolescence was researched, making the skills assessment the most comprehensive of its kind in the world, and we're quite proud of that. Skills is easy to use. Simply click Start Assessment and begin answering questions. Or simply type in a keyword, find specific activities to assess, and add activities to treatment. Step 3. Choose activities. Once you've completed the assessment, Skills selects from a pool of 4,000 activities categorized by age, level, and skill type to provide you with exactly those activities each child needs. Start by choosing a curriculum, then a lesson, and finally an activity. Click the information icon to view prerequisites, ages in which targets develop, examples, and IEP goals. Click the video icon to watch a short video. Once you've identified an activity you want to teach, adding activities to treatment is a snap. Step 4. Start treatment. Here you can access customizable activity lesson details, add your own customized targets and exemplars, and edit an activity status such as introducing or mastering it. You can even print handouts such as worksheets, tracking forms, visual aids, and other materials. Skills also offers multiple progress charts, mapping curriculum progress, lesson progress, and cumulative number of activities and targets mastered over time. The Skills Language Curriculum is categorized by verbal behavior type so that users can identify progress for verbal operants, such as echoics, mans, 
tax, and interverbals. Skills is one of the only programs that provides the ability to write behavior intervention plans, or BIPs, for challenging behavior. With just a few clicks, the outline of the behavior intervention plan is written for you and ready to be printed and implemented. You can learn more about Skills today and get started by visiting us at www.skillsforautism.com or you can call us at 877-975-4559. Skills, progress starts here. Welcome back. Our very special uh, guest, I totally lost track of what I was saying, our very special guest here in the studio is Alex Plank from wrongplanet.net. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. We love having you here on Tuesdays. It's a wonderful Well, program. I love coming. Well, and we have a whole array, array of guests today that are individuals who are on the autism spectrum, and so you're, oh, yeah? you're heading us off with that today. And I wanted to start today talking with you about politically correct speech when dealing with autism, because this is a very touchy subject about what words do you use when do you use what's offensive what's divisive what's not helpful right and you have some opinions about this about what words uh, you like and everybody has difference of opinions right but talk to us a little bit about what you think is not helpful uh, well it's not helpful to use words that demean obviously that's the first thing uh, so but what demeans let's be specific what do you think demeans what do you wh what makes you feel demeaned um like if you call someone like a retard that would be demeaning um uh, you know an idiot i mean anything mean uh -huh. spirited or just um absolutely something that is designed to cause someone to feel bad right now um I don't know what kind of words you were thinking of, but... Uh... Well, you know, we were at an event the other day, and my son was there, and somebody asked me if he was autistic. And uh, that's something that my son, who's 11, gets offended at, and he says, I am not autistic, I have autism. But a lot of individuals who are on the autism spectrum that I meet that are older feel exactly the opposite. They don't like to... They don't like for somebody to say that they have autism. They prefer to be autistic. What do you feel? Well, I think saying that you feel that you should like to call yourself autistic, I, I kind of like that. I mean, you That's would, your preference. Yeah, I mean, it would, you could, I don't see, it's not offensive to for someone, you know, to refer to themselves as gay. That doesn't right. define who they are necessarily, but like, but they, my, still, they still can say that. Yeah, but my son says, if you say that I'm autistic, then that's all that I am, and I'm ever so much more. That's his personal feeling, and I know a lot of the younger kids feel that way. But, but for, I mean, that's true with any word that's, I mean, you could say that if you call him smart, then he would, someone could say that, oh, that's, now you're saying that's all that I am. Right. Instead of, that you should say I have He'd be smartness. okay with that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, wouldn't he? Okay, so there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, he's not defined by, just because right. of the tense, you know, the tense of the, right. the, uh, adject the adjective. But for you, you would pre prefer the, that, that somebody says that you're autistic. You're, you're, you're yeah. doing no, that. It's an adjective, right? Like you're autistic. It's yeah. Very autistic. Yeah. So like, that's an adjective to describe someone, right? Yeah. So, and that's what you would prefer. Now I know Temple pref refers to herself as an autistic. Do you ever refer to her that way? Well, it depends on the sentence that you're saying. Okay. Like, you could say. You would have to say it if in certain situations. There aren't many circumstances probably that come up in your life, well, I mean, but when you, you do talk about it, what do you say? If you're an autistic person, you have to use an. 
Yeah, I don't ever. I say that they uh, that they're on the autism spectrum. Well, you could say that. I mean, I don't really. So that's care. politically correct for you because that works for my son as well. well. The thing about politically correctness is that <laughs> you know it's individual, right? Well, no, it's just that the the minute you you come up with another term that means the same thing that the politically correct the politically incorrect term is that you're replacing the minute you come up with that new word it means the exact same thing it's language it, right. it evokes like a meaning so yeah, like but people that, get offended but i'm just saying that eventually yeah. people will get offended at yeah. one thing and then another they'll come up with a new word and then that word will become offensive and, and yeah. so i think that political correctness is, is a whole lot of uh, ridiculousness at a lot of times yeah you know? but you will admit that you have been offended before at things that people have said no, i haven't been offended when someone said that i'm a person with autism or some or autistic but I mean, when just... somebody says the war against autism or the battle against autism or we're trying to defeat autism or i'm trying to think what was on the posters um in in seattle where they said in our lifetime let's wipe out diabetes uh aids and autism and that um, I know a lot of people were offended if you're trying to wipe out autism. Yeah, but that's not words. That's I mean that's I mean that's not just the word choice. That's that's a whole meaning of what they're saying. The meaning is offensive there, not the actual words. And, and explain I mean, for our viewers why say, that's offensive to you. Why just offensive to, to think that you would want to wipe you know autism off the map, like people with autism off the map. I mean, obviously, if you if you if you had some post that said we want to wipe out all the you know debilitate or all the problems that people have you know when they have autism or all the issues that come with it. See, and for me, I think if there was a poster that said we want to wipe out cerebral palsy in our lifetime, that would not suggest to me that we were wiping out all the people who had cerebral palsy, right? But we were wiping out the 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 aspects of it that made it disabling. That's yes, exactly. And yet that's what I thought that the poster meant when it said let's wipe out autism, but a lot See, of people with autism, autism is a spectrum of, of, of traits that are, are yeah. both uh, positive and negative. Some things can be affect you positively and negatively. Yes. So and it's a spectrum. So what are you wiping out? Like which part of yeah. the spectrum? Well, and I've Anyone tried. Anyone a trait of autism or anything? Since since that poster, I try to be specific and say, you know, let's battle the disabling aspects of autism. Um, but I think that still gets me into trouble sometimes too. Well, I mean, even the disabling aspects could be argued are important for society. Like I mean, if if you're the kind of person that that is not very social, that right. you could that could be argued that it's disabling. But at the same time, it might allow you to spend all your time uh, working on something that would benefit society. Right? So let me ask you this: Do you think that autism is a disorder? Because it's listed as a disorder in the DSM. Yeah. So it's so if it's a disorder, then but you want to make the argument. Uh, or do you? I don't want to put words in your mouth. That there are there are aspects of it though that aren't a disorder. No, I mean, well the aspects of it, the whole thing is is something that that is related to the way that people with autism fit into society. Yeah. So I mean, if you took away society, it might not be as big of an issue. I mean, if you took away social, I mean, the way that the world works is sort of part of it. So right. yes. It's a, it, it, but it's not a disorder that affects your, the functioning of your body in a right. way that, that negatively benefits you personally. It really affects the way others relate to you and then consequently how people relate to you affects you personally. But so that's, it kind of depends on, it's in the eye of the beholder then. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I just think that if you think about it in in the way that uh, diabetes causes your lifespan to be shorter. Yeah. Autism makes your social uh, skills less uh, good. Maybe or makes them uh, less effective and makes right. people around you not relate to you as well. But I mean, if you're talking with other people with autism or something, or you're talking to people who do speak the same language as you, you're not as severely impacted. Right. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. And that goes back to that spectrum that we were talking about. Uh, we, we should take a break, but we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this before we have a guest who's going to be with us talking about how to improve those social skills. So stick with us. Hi guys, welcome back to Smarty. This month we're gonna make some gluten-free Play-Doh. It's a great activity because A, I know a lot of our kids have an allergy to gluten, and B, it's super cheap and cost-effective to make your own. So let's get started. The materials you'll be needing are one cup of white rice flour, half a cup of cornstarch, half a cup of salt, one tablespoon of cream of tartare, one and a half teaspoons of vegetable oil, one cup of water, food coloring, a saucepan, and a spatula. So as you guys can see, I'm in my kitchen, because I'm going to be using the stove top to make the Play-Doh. First what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my pot and fill it up with all the dry ingredients, okay? Now that I have my dry ingredients in the saucepan, I'm now going to add the what once, the vegetable oil and the water. I'm going to turn the pan onto low heat and continue stirring. What I want to make sure happens is that it gets solidified and gooky looking, you'll see in a second, but not overcooked, okay? You're just trying to get the materials to kind of congeal. You know the dough is ready. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna just take it off the stove top and let it cool. Once it's cool, then you're gonna add your coloring and boom, you've got gluten-free Play-Doh. Well, I hope you enjoyed the Play-Doh with your kids. Until next time, wrapped on guys. Can you see me? Flying by your side. Welcome back. We are here with Alex Plank from WrongPlanet.net. And over the weekend, you did some traveling. You were speaking at uh, a conference on yeah, Friday. Yeah, University Tell of Alabama. And so, where is that? Is that in Montgomery? Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. What a lovely name. And so tell us about that event. What was it like? Um, well, you know, it was just a, a standard conference. It was a one-day conference, which was cool. Uh, some people came, had come up to me and mentioned that they specifically came to the conference just to see me, which yeah. was awesome. Um, I had a great talk. They actually filmed it. They yeah. videotaped it. So I put that video on my website. Awesome. Put it on uh, my YouTube channel. And it was great. And it was nice to be in uh the South uh, was nice because everyone's like, uh, so calls you sir, and even like young people that are your age, it's like, thank you, sir. There's just a level of politeness, right? Yeah, well, it was, I don't know, it was kind of weird in a way. Yeah, but, a little unsettling. But yeah. how lovely, and so what was the overriding theme of your topic? Uh, just my life, uh, Wrong Planet talked about the bridge as a consultant on the mm -hmm. show and uh, that. and. At the what? end, I got a question from uh, one of the audience members that said, uh, "So, uh, when did you first become a comedian, and like, how did how do you use humor <laughs> to like, you know, in your life?" And 
Like, you know. And did you say, uh, not but really doing stand-up? I didn't know I was trying to be funny. Well, <laughs> I guess they thought I was doing stand-up, and I was some stand-up comedian that just came in and talked to them, which I guess was good, because usually these conferences are incredibly boring, and you yeah. just, just want to shoot yourself because you, <laughs> they're so boring, and, and, and people leave. Yeah, but you you were a live wire. They thought it was a stand-up Yeah, act. well, they, they, they said they saved me to laugh so that people wouldn't leave. I don't Wonderful. know if that's true or not, but... <laughs> I, I imagine that it is. And people should know that you are available to speak. You I speak do. all over the world at this mm -hmm. point. And, uh, I do. I speak all over the world, anywhere and you want. where would people contact you if they want to book well, you on to speak? On my website, alexplank.com. I didn't know that there was an alexplank.com. I knew about wrongplanet.net. Well, if you type Alex Plank into Google, it's the first thing that pops up. So. Well, all right. I guess I, I, I've always looked at you on wrongplanet.net. So, yeah. uh, well, there's a link to like contact me on wrongplanet that goes to okay. alexplank.com. So they can also contact you that way yeah. to have you speak at an event. Really, really incredible. I'm sure that you've got a lot of things coming up, uh, mm -hmm. especially in April. And you'll keep two us in the first week of April in New York City and uh -huh. Long Island. And... Uh, more to come. Okay. Something else in in Los Angeles on the t something the twenty fourth. I'm speaking on a panel. Of okay, of March twenty fourth of March. This okay. Month, yeah. So keep us posted because I think people would like to be able to see you. And you're going to be going to the Los Angeles Walk, aren't you? Yeah. When is that? It's in April, but it's like the twenty something of April. I'll have to look it up and see. But you'll you'll I'm okay. sure you'll be there as well. All right. Uh, really remarkable opportunities to see Alex Plank speak. Um, and so I just want to finish up what we were talking about before about politically correct speech, just uh, to clarify. So we're never going to get it exactly right, uh, right. because as you said, it's going to change over time. But for this moment in time, I, I think people want to know, I, I, don't, I certainly never mean to or set out to offend somebody. And I think people want to know, what are some safe things that I can say? Um, you know, when somebody, if you're asking somebody if they're on the autism spectrum, how do people talk to you and what do you say when you say, uh, I, I know there aren't many opportunities that you d go out and say, by the way, I'm on the spectrum, but what do you say when you use the words? Well, I prefer to be called autistic, I guess. So uh, you say to people, I am yeah, well, autistic? Or, or ask someone with Asperger's. I really don't care, actually, now at this point. It really doesn't bother me. I don't, I just don't okay. like really talk about it that much with most people. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, I feel like the only way it would define you is if you let it define you, if you even like have an issue. Yeah. With it. Um, and, but then you also have access to a great deal of adults who are on the autism spectrum and they talk about these things on wrongplanet.net. And what do you, what's the feeling you get from everybody that you talk to about what would, what words would they like to use and what words would they really appreciate if people didn't use? What words would they like to? Yeah, I just it really depends on the person. But I say autistic would be better, maybe. Okay. Um, and in terms of when people are trying to advocate for autism services, instead of saying battling autism, trying to overcome autism, trying to wipe out autism, trying to defeat autism, if you're fighting for services to help individuals with autism, is there a shorter way that somebody can say that that's politically correct that's not offensive? Or they pretty much have to say, we're fighting for services for individuals with spectrum. Well, I mean, can you think of a way to say something that means the same thing? No, which is why so I'm why asking you. you? Use, I mean, I'm, why, <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm not trying yeah. to use words like that. But I'm just saying that if you're going to do a campaign to do something and then 
you know, you say one thing and then you're what you mean is something completely different. Yeah. And it is something completely different. No one's fighting autism. That doesn't even make sense. Well, I, I would say to you as a parent that when my child was engaged in self-injurious behavior... We could that be had fighting to... injurious behavior. Right. But, uh, I mean, that's, that would make sense because you would be trying to prevent it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know at that moment in time. I'd gone to the doctor and the doctor had said, your child has autism and this is why he's doing this. It took me a lot of education to get to right. the point where I understood that self-injurious behavior is not a symptom of autism. It's a symptom of frustration that arises mm -hmm. because you can't communicate, which is from the autism. Okay. But it took me a long time to get down the path to understand that. Right. Uh, so we, we'll, we'll pick just, our words wisely. I just think that uh, instead of trying to tiptoe around and being um, politically correct, instead just think about what you're saying and what that actually truly means. I think that's a good, a good thing to do. All right, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Daniel Wendler. He is also on the autism spectrum, and he has a special interest in teaching social skills because that's what helped him. So stick with us. We'll be right back with Daniel after these messages. Hi, welcome to Camp Discovery, a free-to-play suite of fun, interactive learning games for kids two and up. Designed by experts in autism, Camp Discovery will open your early learner to a world of new skills, shapes, numbers, colors, locations, emotions, and more. Let's get started. Please choose a level. Objects. First, Camp Discovery's intelligent preference assessment determines your child's preferred reward for choosing correctly. Okay, got it. Let's play. Camp Discovery creates a motivating learning environment for your child by minimizing incorrect responses and maximizing successful ones. Find the shoes. Respond correctly and your child is rewarded with their favorite animations. You did it. Respond incorrectly and our unique prompting system guides your child to the correct answer by making it the largest choice. That's not it. Try again. Way to go. Continue to answer correctly and the size gradually reduces until the child makes the correct choice independently. You win! Success! Rewards motivate learning. Complete a round and your child is rewarded with a fun mini-game. Track your child's progress with easy-to-read graphs. Multiple settings options allow you to customize Camp Discovery to your child's unique needs. All this in one single app, the Camp Discovery app, available for free on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon Store. Welcome back to Autism Live. I'm here live in the studio with Alex Plank from WrongPlanet.net. But right now, via Skype, we are joined by Daniel Wendler. And he is uh, a young man who is a very wonderful speaker. You saw his TED Talk on our show on Thursday. And he is also behind the, the person who created the site, ImproveYourSocialSkills.com. So Daniel, welcome to Autism Live. Thank you. It's uh, exciting to be here. We're thrilled to have you. Please tell our audience a little bit about your journey, when you were diagnosed with autism, and how you came to create the site ImproveYourSocialSkills.com. Yeah, so I, growing up, I was um, just incredibly awkward. I, I struggled socially in all sorts of ways. I felt in a lot of ways like going to school was like going to a battleground where everybody else was on the other army. I just didn't know how to... Uh, interact with people. I didn't know how to make friends. I didn't know how to defuse bullies. I didn't know how to do all of it. And so I just um, really, really struggled with any time that I had to interact with another person, which is most of the time. Um, 
my parents are wonderful parents. They've, they, they were very supportive of me um, and eventually realized that there was something a little bit different about me. So when I was 13, right before starting high school, uh, they took me to a psychologist that specialized in Asperger's syndrome, um, and she diagnosed me with Asperger's. Um, I didn't really know that uh, that's what was being tested. I thought it was an intelligence test, and I was like, you know, I hope I'm doing a good job. Um, but she came back with a diagnosis, and that was a huge life-changing moment for me because up to that point, I didn't understand why I was struggling. Like, I knew that I would have meltdowns in restaurants when the noise around me would get too much, but I, I didn't have the language to say, oh, I'm, I'm having a sensory overload. I need to get to a calmer place. I knew that I uh, was not able to interact with people well, but I didn't know, I didn't have the language to understand, oh, I'm missing their social skills. I need to work harder to, to learn their social cues. Um, and so this was a really life-changing event for me in a very positive way. I remember most significantly that my psychologist gave me a list of social skills that people with Asperger's lack. Um, and I took that as my to-do list. And so I took that list and I'm like, okay, let me make a plan of attack for learning each one of these skills. So when you see that like, okay, people with Asperger's lack ability in conversation, I went and I bought, you know, 10 books on conversation. And I read through all of them and I went out and I tried to practice what I had learned and I would get feedback from my friends and my parents. And over time, I got a lot better to the point where um, I feel like many of the social challenges of Asperger's I've overcome. And so uh, a couple of years ago, um, actually in 2011, a year after I graduated from college, um, I had the, the thought that maybe what I had learned I could teach to other people because I felt like I really had to build my knowledge of social skills from the ground up. And so I felt like I could also explain it from the ground up. And so I started writing down my thoughts. I started writing down my advice. Um, and I, I just wrote, wrote, wrote for all of 2011. And then on January 1st, 2012, I launched improveyoursocialskills.com. I didn't really know what kind of reaction it would, it would get. Uh, but now... Um, it, in uh, just a couple years later, I've had over a half million people visit the site, um, and I've had all of this feedback from people all around the world that's uh, letting me know that the site has helped them, that it's encouraged them, that it's given them sort of hope that uh, they can sort of overcome a lot of their awkwardness and, and find the relationships that give life so much meaning. Well, it's remarkable, and we want to encourage people to go to improveyoursocialskills.com to check that out. We're going to talk more with Daniel. We're going to take a quick break, and then Alex and I have some questions for him, so stick with us. The Institute for Behavioral Training provides courses in applied behavior analysis for the treatment of autism. Access IBTE learning videos on the move and learn at your own pace. IBTE Learning makes any location your classroom on the go. So our objectives for today are to really learn what is autism and how is it diagnosed. Get professional guidance with IBT face-to-face -face training. IBT face-to-face -face training courses prepare you to effectively implement ABA-based interventions. Choose between small group and one-to-one -one instruction. Earn BCBA supervision hours via one-to-one -one video conferencing. So I had a chance to review your BIP today. You know what? It looked really good. You did a good job with that. IBT, continuing education courses. Earn credit through webinars, conferences, article reviews, and e-learning videos. You can learn more at iBehavioralTraining.com. IBT, 360 degrees of ABA training. 
Welcome back to Autism Live. I'm here with Alex Plank, and we have joining us via Skype, we have Daniel Wendler. We're talking about social skills, and Alex and I have some questions for Daniel. So, uh, Daniel, what, uh, what is the question that you get asked most frequently, and also what uh, do you personally have the most trouble with in social skills? Mm -hmm. um, honestly, the most the most common question that I get, both from people on the autistic spectrum and neurotypicals, is how do you make conversation? There's a lot of people that have, have sort of uh, mastered the basics in the sense that they, you know, they know not to interrupt. Um, they know, uh, you know, they know to ask questions and things like that. But they, they really struggle to make conversation that's fun and that keeps flowing, that that feels good to anybody involved. And so I get a lot of questions about how do you have meaningful conversation where you actually connect with people. Um, and for me, I feel like the thing that I still um, struggle with the most at this point is really uh, sort of confidence and vulnerability. I think that I, uh, because I had such a long time where I really struggled socially, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's hard for me still to relax in social situations sometimes. It's hard for me to sort of believe that the people around me are my friends and they accept me and they don't mind if I'm a little bit awkward um, or even a lot bit awkward. And so I, I sort of have to work now uh, to kind of just relax and to let myself be very present in the moment and to, to sort of stop working so hard and just trust that the people around me care about me and don't need me to be socially perfect all the time. I think that's really good advice. So Daniel, talk to us a little bit about how old were you when you actually got the diagnosis? Mm -hmm. So I was 13 when I first got the diagnosis, right before starting high school. And and did your parents, it sounds like from day one, your parents were full disclosure with you and told you that you had this diagnosis. Have you talked to your parents at all about, was there a moment when they were trying to decide whether or not to tell you? You know, I don't... Um... They did not let me know anything until I had actually been diagnosed. So mm -hmm. when I went to get my test, right. um, I just thought that I was going to psychologist to get some kind of test. I think I assumed it was an intelligence test or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then when the psychologist did diagnose me, they were very forthcoming with that. And I, I don't think that they really doubted it. I think that they didn't want to give me a false sense if it turns out that that wasn't the case. Right. But I think that they wanted me to, to be able to understand myself. Um, and they wanted me, uh, they wanted to have some common language to be able to, to I, I think that a big part of their goal was was uh, overcoming a lot of the challenges, and so they wanted me to be aware of the challenges and have the language to talk about them so we could work together to overcome them. When you found out about the diagnosis, what was your first reaction? Were you ashamed of it? Were you glad to know about your differences? What was uh, your feelings there? Honestly, I feel like it was two things. I feel like one was really curiosity. It was sort of the sense of like, oh, like this explains so much about me. I want to like know all there is to know about it. And so I want to like, you know, I think that the, I remember the psychologist giving me this big like packet of like everything about Asperger's. And I like the same day I got it, I was reading through the whole thing. I just, I, I you know, I felt like I had been given this window into a big mystery about myself. And so I wanted to understand that fully. And it also kind of felt like it was a, it was like a quest in a video game. It's like, okay, you know, your new objective is to learn social skills and, you know, level up your conversation power or whatever. And so I really, um, it really wasn't a source of shame for me. It really wasn't a source of uh, hopelessness because I think that uh, I really approached it as 
okay, this is what I have, and now I can work with this, as opposed to this is what I have, and there's no way that any part of this will ever change. Well, I, I'm really fascinated, Daniel, by all the things you talk about with understanding body language. Mm -hmm. And I find it a little ironic that I, I, would, I would venture that you know more about body language and reading body language than most neurotypicals. Um, I, in your TED Talk, we showed it on the, on the show the other day, and you talk about when people are done with the conversation. You can look at where their feet are pointing and have an understanding. Mm -hmm. And then the very next day, I was standing in somebody's office and I really needed to go badly. Mm -hmm. And I very deliberately pointed my feet away from them, hoping that they would read the body language that we needed to wind the conversation up. Everything about my body, I was trying very hard to convey. I gotta mm -hmm. wind this up. They totally didn't get it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I wish everyone would go to your site. And I'm mm -hmm. imagining that people who don't have a diagnosis of autism are going to your site and finding it useful. Have you experienced that? That was one of the major surprises when I first launched my site. When I when I put the site out there, I thought that it was going to be, you know, 99% people on the autistic spectrum that would be interested in this. And as it turns out, I think uh, the majority of my readers are neurotypicals, just based on the feedback that I get and the emails that I get from readers, things like that. Um, and I think that that just speaks to the fact that a lot of the things that people with Asperger's struggle with, we, we maybe struggle with it to a greater degree than other people, but it's our, our struggles are just human struggles. Like nobody really knows what they're doing when, when they're trying to make relationships work. Nobody really knows what they're doing when they're trying to interact and make friends and stuff like that. We're all just sort of doing the best that we can. And I think that that's really, um, that was really a positive realization for me to realize that we're kind of Asperger's and non-Asperger's, we're kind of all in the same boat. We're just trying to figure out how to connect with each other. And I wanted to talk with him a little bit, Alex, about what you're doing right now, because mm -hmm. you have this site and you continue to write on this site, but mm -hmm. you you work in a, an entirely different field. Tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about that. Yeah, so I started this site um, I graduated college with a degree in Spanish and business, and so I entered the business world and eventually uh, sort of found a niche in search engine uh, marketing. And, and so I've been doing that for the past three years, and then I started the site on the side um, and, you know, again, didn't, didn't really know what would happen with it. Um, just had this idea burning in me for years, and I'm like, I just want to give this a shot, see what happens. And so um, eventually, after the site had been running for about a year, I, I started to realize that um, I was so much more passionate about the work that I was doing in my free time than the work that I was doing at my actual job. And I started thinking about how can I have a career where, uh, where what I care about is lining up with how I'm spending the majority of my time. And so I actually uh, started a career shift and started taking some psychology classes at my community college. Um, and I am going to go for a doctorate in clinical psychology later this year. Wonderful. So I'm, I'm making a career shift away from marketing into something where I'll be able to uh, really build on what I've done with my site. Well, that's great. I mean, I think that at least uh, with the site, the marketing, I'm sure, helped you get an audience <laughs> on there for sure. Uh, yeah. I think it's great what you're doing, and I do think that maybe you know people like us are better at uh, doing uh, social skills uh, training because we can actually mm -hmm. break it down because we actually had to break it down, whereas a neurotypical person on the same uh, mm -hmm. side would not be able to do it uh, mm -hmm. because they do it naturally, and they're not as right. good at, at talking about why it is uh, the way mm -hmm. yes yeah, I think that's I think that's when true. are you going to write a uh, article for my site <laughs>
I, I'd love to. Just let me know. There we go. Right. Thanks. There we've, we've made a connection there. Well, Daniel, I think you're remarkable, and, and I think your site is remarkable, and, and I hope that a lot of our viewers will go. It's improveyoursocialskills.com. It's got a bunch of information there that you can find, and you can, if you didn't see the TED Talk on our show on Thursday, you can definitely watch it there. And we thank you so much for what you're doing, and we want to hear more as you get your doctorate in clinical psychology. That's amazing. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and, and share my story. Well, thank you. We're going to take a break and go to the A word now. And you can have an opportunity to see, uh, this is the documentary that's following uh, Jack Riley, a little boy who was diagnosed with autism at the age of two, and where he's progressing through that early intervention. Stick with us. This is the A word. lot more on his own even just when I attempt him by just holding the object not necessarily asking him to imitate more he, cat, that's right he does do it on his own now which is really cool good asking buddy Um, touch shoes. Where's the yeah. shoes? 
try. Okay. Um, you touch crab. Where's the crab? Can you touch it with your finger though? Thank you. Did you see that? What is it? Crab. Say crab. That was so funny. I didn't specify, huh? Touch block. Good job. What is it? What is this? Block. This is his receptive labels, so what I just did basically. And um, our supervisor had written down things that's in his environment that he might not know or that he might know the labels to or if he's just seen it or heard um, the label for it, not necessarily know how to say it per se. And um, I, I just went through block, guitar, bear, um, plane, cat with him. And so he actually knows all of them. So I'm actually going to go through his environment just to see other things like shoes. He actually knew almost everything on here except fork, I think. Yeah. So that's actually really impressive. You amaze me every day, kiddo. We're taking a walk. We just finished dinner, getting ready to go to bed. But part of our after dinner tradition suddenly has been to take a walk. Make sure. Say, come on, Mama. Come on, Mama. Right, Jack? And then we say, stop. Go. 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 Stop. Go. 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 So we're practicing our stops and goes. Good stopping. Go. Stop. Go. Good stopping, Jack. Stop. Go. Go. Good stopping. Good job, love. Look at me. Baby. Say bye-bye. Love that little boy. He is so cute. Uh, a couple of things business-wise before I start talking about the A word. Emily um, is going to put the website uh, improveyoursocialskills.com up on Facebook. Somebody wrote it and said, asked if Emily would please do that. And she will do that for you. Absolutely. Um, and then you just were watching the A word. And I want to encourage you to go to their YouTube site and take a look at all the videos that are there. You can learn so much from taking a look at it. And of course, in this episode, we're looking at trying to begin the process of not having him elope, right? It's a lengthy process. And we know that um, it's not something that we take lightly because our kids run. We Look, we just went through the last year of uh, so many children who have eloped and been found dead, including Avante Aquendo, right? And and we know that this is a very real issue that statistically more than 50% of our kids will elope. And I, I love, there's a great video that we did a couple of weeks ago with Dr. Jonathan Tarbox where he talks about elopement. And um, he said, just imagine for a moment that your children are going to sit there and say to you, look, the first opportunity that you're not looking, I'm going 
going to run and run as fast and as hard as I can away from you. And imagine what you would do if your kids could turn and say that to you because even though they're not saying that to you, that's the truth. That's what their body language is saying and that's what they're saying when they run. My son was a runner and you know, we used to say he just loves to feel the wind in his hair. Um, he just would run. And it wasn't that he was running to something or running away from something. He just loved the sensation of it. He still loves to run long distance. He doesn't love to run fast. Thank goodness. Um, but he loves to run long. He likes the feel of it. Now, different kids, different. Some kids run to something. Some kids run away from something. Uh, some kids run for attention, right? And others just run because it feels good. But we have to begin the process of giving them the skills so that they don't run at inappropriate times. And we see with Jack Riley that they're starting with making it rewarding for him to uh, listen and obey when someone says stop and go. And we'll see that over the next couple of weeks that, you know, at times there's great improvement. And you think, oh, great, we're done. You're not. You're, you're just, it takes years. You just got to sign up for the long haul on this one because we talked last week about mastery. At what point do we consider this mastery? When it's something that's involving safety, we don't consider it mastered until it has, the person has demonstrated 100% of the time in 100% of circumstances with 100% of people. And even then, you know, I like to be extra super cautious there. Uh, my, my son and I were just in a parking lot uh, like a week and a half ago, and I'm trying to let the apron strings out, right? Where he's about to be 11 and he, I'm trying to get him to be more spatially aware, which means that I got to stop holding his hand because if I'm holding his hand, his face is in his phone, looking at things on his phone. And, and so I make him put his phone away when, when, when we're in a parking lot and I deliberately don't hold his hand anymore. And I've even given him the task of at this point in his development, he can handle it with me standing there watching on tenterhooks um, to put the cart back. And I deliberately parked very close to the, the cart uh, corral, right? But um, he still, the other day, was just kind of fuzzed out coming out of the store. And he had his hand on the cart. And he really wasn't paying attention. And a car was going very close by. And people in parking lots don't pay attention, which is why we all need to. And I was saying to him, you know, you really have to be so careful. And he says to me, Mom, I'm almost 11. And I said, you know, um, he tends to be kind of interested in things with history and especially around presidents for whatever reason. And so I was telling him the story of Al Gore's child, that Al Gore was walking in a parking lot with his son. And I think he was even holding his son's hand, but somebody was driving by and not paying attention. And the rear, their rear view mirror on the side of the car clipped his kid in the head and caused permanent brain damage. We have to be so diligent, right? Um, but starting with stop and go because it's so essential that we have our children understand that if we scream stop, that they stop on a dime, right? Uh, that can 
prevent so many accidents from happening. So, so worthwhile. Take a look. Watch on uh, YouTube to see the A word and how they shape up this skill. This is really what, when you hear Dr. Grandpache talking about, we want to shape that behavior up. We see that in the beginning, mom yells stop and that means he slows down, right? Now we still are gonna reinforce that in the beginning because we gotta shape that behavior to the point where she says stop and he freezes. And that will help so that if someday he's running out into, uh, this this happened again with my son the other day, his ball rolled out into the, the uh, down the driveway and out into the street and my son was running after it without looking and I said stop and he stopped, right? There was no car coming, thank goodness, but then we had a big discussion because that's, you know, that's a lot of the ways that kids get hit by a car. And, and we're talking about neurotypical kids getting hit by a car because they go out after a ball into the street that's run down the driveway. So getting that stop in place, huge. And it's just the first step of many to getting uh, the child to not elope they're also working on communicating and giving him those expressive skills to be able to say, I want to go over there. You'll see an episode coming up where he wants to get on the grass, man, and he's going to throw a tantrum and bite. Jack Riley goes through a phase where he's going to bite his mother because he wants to go on the grass and they have to teach him how to ask for grass and then he can go on the grass so that they can eliminate that biting. But What's happening is, is that she's walking, holding his hand. He wants to go on the grass. So if he bites her, you know, automatic reaction, she lets go and he gets on the grass for two seconds. He gets a paycheck. All right. So check out the A word. So, so valuable. We love this family. Okay. I'm going through some of the questions that you guys have written in it. There's a lot that I want to save for Dr. Grandpache for tomorrow, but there are still some things I want to talk about. But first we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to tell you more about this event that we went to this weekend. So stick with us. Hi, I'm Ryan with Autism Research Group. We study ways to improve the lives of kids with autism. One of those ways is teaching safety skills, such as what to do if they get lost. We hit the streets to find out if anybody knows the correct answer on how to teach a kid what to do if they get lost. You're teaching a child. What to do if they get lost. Yeah, you're trying to okay. make them independent so they have the skills. Gotcha, okay. Well, give them a compass. Codename's good idea, Centurion. We always have this whistle. Um. Oh, I'd also tell the kid, I tell the kid, don't get scared. It's all you're gonna be alright, man. This is just the world. You're this is planet Earth. You're at home here. As long as you're on planet Earth, you're at home. As long as you're on planet Earth, you're home. This guy's a genius. With that flawless logic, he just solved our homeless problem. And as for the unique sounding whistle, although very cool, it'll probably only work if you're in close proximity. And a compass. I have her call me. Yeah, she doesn't have a phone. Parents are like, you're too young, you don't need a phone. Establish some sort of like meeting place. What if they can't find a meeting place? Because sometimes Ooh. the kids get nervous when they get lost. Yeah. So like a backup plan, well, like well, plan B. Yeah, I don't know. No, not really. Let them go and find a new kid or something. <laughs> yeah, I've got a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not much you can do. There is stuff like, you can do. That's right, there is stuff you can do. In 2012, myself, along with my colleagues, Dr. Jonathan Tarbox and Dr. Adele Nadowski, published a study in the Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis on teaching kids what to do when they get lost. The study demonstrated how three simple things, rules, 
role playing and praise were effective in establishing these help seeking behaviors. The benefit of this method is it doesn't require the child to have a cell phone or to have to locate a meeting place, which might be difficult if they're in a place like Disneyland. So once again, our method included rules, role playing, and praise. Let's head back outside and learn about some of these rules. They should yell out loud. Can't find my mom, my mom, help me. Maybe yell out and scream for help. All right, scream really loud. Correct. And if that don't work, then... I don't know. Well, they could seek help from someone. Find an adult. Yeah, go to a vendor, you know, and say I'm lost. Find an adult, like a police officer, or a fireman, or an employee in the store, and tell them, and maybe they can help you contact your parent. It really is that simple. You don't need to get your kid a cell phone. You don't need to establish a meeting place that they might not be able to find when they're lost and panicking. And you definitely don't need to give them a compass. All your kid has to do is three things. First, yell mom or dad real loud. Two, if that doesn't work, find an employee, and then third, tell the employee they're lost. If they can't locate an employee, then tell them to find a mother with children, because that's probably the safest person to approach. I'm not saying that most men are predators, but most predators are men. That is a fact. I've read it in a fortune cookie. All right, so you've gone over the rules with your kid, and you've quizzed them, and they're able to tell you the correct responses so they understand the rules, but is that enough? How do you know they're gonna perform correctly in a real world setting? You need to get out there and find out if they can actually do it. So they'd go over the rules and tell them like, do this, do that, but how would you know if they actually knew what to do? If you wanted to shoot a basketball, and I just told you, oh, when you shoot a basketball, do this, this, and this. I never practiced. You never practiced, yeah. So it don't matter how many times we go over the rules or how well you can repeat them back to me, it's not gonna change until you get on the court and practice. Maybe do uh, like a, you know, a little skit with them. Like a kind role play? Role like... play, yeah. Your child, you're lost in the toy aisle. Okay. What do you do? I'm an attendant walking around. <laughs> I'm lost, I don't know where my mom is. And then once you practice, you just like praise them, give them feedback, like good job, you did it. Like reinforcing it. Yes, this woman wins the prize for best comment. She pointed out the most important part of learning, reinforcement. Now, in our study, we used praise, but for your kid, you might have to use something else. You might have to buy them a treat, a toy, take them to their favorite restaurant where they can eat unhealthy food and run around and climb through plastic tunnels that have the unmistakable scent of urine and then play games spending $20 to get a plastic little spider ring that they will eventually lose in the ball pit. The point is, you need to reward your child for correctly demonstrating what you've been teaching them. Okay, I'm gonna call her. Hello, your child, Ryan. So you tested it out I'll in the store <laughs> to make sure I knew it. I had the rules, yes. we role played it and you made sure I knew it, and then like you said, good job, and all that. Now we're good to go. We're good to go. All right. Done? High five right there. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. Give your child the rules, get out there and practice, and reward your child for responding correctly. For more information, please visit us online at autismresearchgroup.org. I'm Ryan Bergstrom. Thanks for watching. Yes, ding, no. <laughs> Yes, this woman wins the first. Yes, this woman. Yes, this woman wins the best. Yes, this woman wins the first place. Yes, this woman. Why can't I say what? Yes, this woman wins. What's the line? Yes. Welcome back to Autism Live. 
This last weekend, we went to a wonderful, wonderful event. It was Mardi Gras for Autism, and it was done by Fullerton Cares, a really remarkable organization that is helping to raise awareness for autism and to raise funds for autism for a variety of different initiatives that they're working on that are really remarkable. And this was all started by a, a wonderful gentleman that we have met in the last year and just come to love, Larry Hauser. Uh, there, there I am with Larry at this event. And you want to talk about somebody who has a big, huge heart. Boy, Larry Hauser is an awesome autism dad. He is also uh, the co-owner of the Bourbon Street Bar and Grill, which is a fabulous restaurant in Fullerton, California. And they used to always do this Mardi Gras uh, that they would do in the parking lot behind a bunch of really cool restaurants, which is a fabulous place to go and visit. If you're in the Fullerton area, you must go there. And then Larry's one and only child was diagnosed with autism, and he got that quick education about what needs to be done and how much needs to be done. And I'm so proud of him and to know him because he really went all in and said, I, I really have to be of help here. We've covered on the show before that last year for the prom, they sponsored an, an amazing event for individuals with different disabilities where they helped them with the prom. There were makeovers. They did a whole dinner. Uh, truly, truly amazing, life-changing kinds of things that they're doing over at Fullerton Cares. And so this was our first year going to the Mardi Gras, an amazing, amazing event. Now, we were having torrential downpour, and I was skeptical about, are people actually going to come out in the rain? But we came out in the rain. Autism Live was there in force. And we got a lot of interesting people on camera. We'll be coming to that next month we're going to be showing you some of the things that we did there with the camera but I just wanted to take a second to talk about the amazing heart of the people who were at this event first of all you know and I I don't get to go to every autism event but I get to go to a fair amount of them and I have never been at an autism event that demonstrated more diversity than this particular event I I tell you I just was so excited by the fact that there were it was a rainbow. It was an absolute rainbow of different ethnicities, of people of every single color of skin and, and eye color that you can imagine. It just looked like the rainbow. And they were people who were honestly... First of all, I would say to you that a huge amount of the people who were there did not have autism in their family, but they came to support. This is why I say, if you need to move someplace, I'm looking at Fullerton. Fullerton is an amazing, autism-friendly, autism-forward thinking place to be. Uh, there were so many people who were there who said, I'm just here to support. I am just here to support because this is important to me. It does not directly affect my family, but I've come down here to be a part of this, and they brought their kids. I just was very amazed by that. But on top of that, then the vast majority of the families that I met said, oh yeah, no, we're doing good ABA therapy and now we're also doing this. And they could list off all the different uh, activities that they were participating in. It really lifted my spirit so much. At the very end of the event, they were taken down the tables and a very um, well-dressed couple who were uh, 
you know, my age-ish, were coming out of one of the restaurants and they were kind of running through the rain and they ducked under the tents and they said, hey, did you guys have a good event? And I said, yes, we had a wonderful event. And they said, what was it for? And I said, it was the Mardi Gras for autism. Oh, we saw signs for that. Oh, wonderful. And the woman said, oh, so sad. Autism is so sad. And I said, oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I wish you'd been here to see how not sad autism is. And she said, really? And we stood and talked for like five, 10 minutes because she had a friend who has uh, an adult child on the spectrum. And, and I was able to talk to her for 10 minutes and say that that autism of, oh, how sad that day has passed, but we need your kind of help. And and, I, and it just really lifted me up. I, I really, because uh, it was the one and only person that I met all day who didn't know who didn't know that autism is not something that's oh so sad. So we really want to do a shout out to Larry Hauser, to Fullerton Cares, and to everybody in Fullerton and parts beyond that came to this amazing event, braved the weather, and had a good time anyway. Truly wonderful. And we hope that Fullerton Cares and Larry Hauser keep up the good work. And if you're in Fullerton, make sure you go to that Bourbon Street Bar and Grill, fabulous restaurant. We'll be right back after these messages. What do you think about the prevalence of autism, the rising number of prevalence, and what are your thoughts on what this world is going to be like with so many individuals on the autism spectrum? I think a lot of the increase is just increased detection on the milder spectrum, but I think there is some severe autism that's increased. Older parents, having children would be one factor, you know, lack of vitamins, uh, like B vitamins prior to pregnancy. Uh, chemical insults, uh, taking prescription drugs in the first trimester. Uh, there's a whole lot of little insults like this that can interact with susceptible genetics. I work in a technical field and there's mild autism and Asperger's and dyslexics all over it. One of the best millwrights in the feedlot industry is severe dyslexic. He's one of the best millwrights that there is. Uh, and that builds complicated feed mills. And, and the thing that worries me is they've taken so many of the hands-on classes out of the school, cooking, sewing, woodworking, metalworking, auto shop. There's a lot of kids that are kind of different. They make great mechanics, and we have a shortage of mechanics right now. We have a shortage of engineers. I'm getting concerned that there's some smart kids that are kind of different, kind of getting a handicap label. Now, where the diagnosis really makes a difference is later on in life with their relationships. And the wife is wondering why the husband is not very demonstrative and you know not very lovey-dovey and emotional. And this is where getting a diagnosis can really help their marriage because then the wife understands. See, that's where that, that kind of, when it comes to relationships, that's where the diagnosis can really, really make a difference. I think one of the problems today is uh, sort of a more social society today. You know, the kid that was a little bit not too social before, he'd be out there in the auto mechanic shop getting along great with the shop teacher, mm -hmm. and they got rid of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You see, I'm in a weird situation where I walk back and forth between the autism world and, and the sort of a metalworking and cattleworking kind mm -hmm. of world, and, oh, there's farmers that I know that are on the spectrum, and they're doing great in farming. So maybe it's not that they're not be there. These kids actually do have a diagnosis then, but it, maybe the prevalence was there before. Well, I think on the mild end, I think the prevalence was probably there. But I think there's severe autism that has increased. Mm -hmm. There's way too much sugar in the diet. We also have an omega-3 deficient diet mm -hmm. in this country. 
Uh, we're not getting enough omega-3s. I think um, let's look at go back to the alternative things, fish oil supplements, some of the B vitamins, mm -hmm. and lots of exercise. Kids are eating way too much sugar, and kids are not just getting enough activity. Mm -hmm. You know, mother used to say to me, go outside and run the energy out of you. Well, and kids aren't doing that today, so that makes the ADHD worse. Welcome back to Autism Live. This week and this entire month, we're talking about advancements in autism. And in particular this week, we're talking about advancements in insurance. And our question today was, have you been able to get more autism services paid for by insurance? And we only got a couple of answers, but they're really of the kinds of answers that I was afraid we would get. Uh, one person who said, unfortunately, no, we don't ever seem to be able to reach the deductible. And another person who said, definitely not. My son was just diagnosed and having problems getting the insurance uh, company to pay for OT speech and ABA therapies. Okay, so I want to address both of these because um, a lot of people are having these kinds of problems. If you are having issues because you can't meet the deductible and therefore you're not getting services started, it's it's one of those horrible conundrums, right? Um, you can't start services until you've met the deductible because there's services that are monthly and if you haven't met the deductible, it's I get it. Believe me, I get it. But I want to let you know that there are a couple of places who will help you out and and make it so that you can either pay the deductible and get started and know that the deductible money is there so that you're not signing up for services that you can't pay for right um, or that can help you to manage it financially um, if you're not eligible for one of these two places so first of all um, the first thing that I want to tell you about is Autism Care and Treatment Today. That they are a wonderful organization and they, I believe in April they will be starting a grant phase again and you can absolutely apply to them for your deductible. You can put in and you can get a grant up to $5,000 and say you got to really line it out. There's a lot of paperwork to fill out but you can say I need this money for the deductible so that we can get this amount of services. Believe me they get it. Nancy Allspaugh Jackson who will be with us tomorrow for Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy is the executive director. Her son gets in um, uh, ABA through insurance, so she knows everything that there is to know about deductibles and co-pays. Um, you, you don't have to go into a lengthy explanation for them about what that is, but about why you're not able to do it. You definitely want to make your case because they will get a lot of requests for grants um, and they only have limited funds to be, they can't fund everybody, right? So definitely put in a grant um, application to act today to get that deductible. I fully understand that that's only for, you know, one year, but it would be one year of services. And sometimes you can get something really great accomplished in one year that can lead to something else. And there might be funding from other sources next year. In fact, the other place that I'm going to encourage you to go to is the United Healthcare Children's Fund. Now, when you go there, there are a bunch of criteria for different things. And I, and I, I, I have been told that they will fund up to $5,000 um, for things that'll, that are medically necessary. So whether you can make the case that ABA is medically necessary for you or you use it for other things that you've been spending your money on that it will cover and then you have more money for your deductible. I've heard 
both scenarios um, from parents saying this is how they have used that money. Up to a $5,000 grant for that as well. And I know that for some of you, your deductible is 6,000, but 5,000 gets you significantly closer to being there. So, uh, and then the third thing that, that you can do is apply for a loan for the deductible, something that you can make payments on throughout the year if that's something that you can do. One of the organizations that I am particularly fond of and, and that really saved my bacon in so many different ways is the Jewish Free Loan Association. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, Shannon, I'm just out of luck because I'm not Jewish. Neither am I. But I got in touch with, because we were in a circumstance where we were having to um, vendor, my son was having services at school um, that were going to be ultimately reimbursed by the school, but we first had to pay for them. And it was around $5,000 a month. So we had you know, at one point in our lives, sure don't now, but we had a $5,000 chunk that we kept in the bank and, uh, you know, we would get the bill from, it was from Center for Autism and Related Disorders. We would get the bill from them and it would be like $4,800, right? So we would pay that and then they would give us a paid invoice and I would take that to the school and I would hand it over to them and then they would have 30 to 60 days to reimburse me. Well, then the next bill would come from card, right? And I would try to make it as fast as possible. The minute I got the invoice back, I would try to get so that I would have it back in time to pay. Well, you know, we eventually got into a thing where we were trying to keep the roof over our head and we no longer had $5,000 and I didn't know what we were going to do. And somebody said, oh, you've got to go to the Jewish Free Loan Association. They lent us the money to have that $5,000 in the account and we made payments on it that were very affordable and there was intensive paperwork, but it was 0% interest. And they were simply lovely about it. They were just absolutely remarkable and fabulous about it. And we were able to, it took us a couple of years, but we, you know, were able to, to pay that all off. And uh, it saved us. It absolutely saved us and made it possible for us to do what we have to do. And it doesn't have to just be for therapy. And I realized that wasn't for copay, but they, those are exactly the kinds of things that the Jewish Free Loan Association will lend you money for. Um, and then there is also Lend for Health. Lend with the letter, the number four, numerical four, <coughs> excuse me, health, dot com I think it's dot com it might be dot org um, that you can go to them and they will lend you money also uh, I don't know what the dollar amount amounts are at this point I have uh, heard parents who got they lend they borrowed money to be able to go to a conference parents who've borrowed money for a deductible or for a copay whatever it is um, but if you as long as you take the the stance that we don't have the money for the deductible, so we're not going to start the services, I think you'll find that you never will be able to start the services. And I hate saying that to you because it sounds incredibly negative, but it's really hard to overcome, right? So I hope that you'll look into at least one or two of those four that I just mentioned and try to get the, the conversation flipped. Um, to how are you going to get the deductible and the copay started um, so that you can feel free to start the services, um, you know? 
um, because this is a challenge. And believe me that I, I, I get it, how challenging it is and how it wears away at your stomach lining. But there are organizations. And if you guys know of more organizations, please write in and tell me because I like to share those with people as often as possible. Now, for the other person who says, nope, definitely not. My son was just diagnosed and having problems getting the insurance company to pay for OT, speech, and ABA therapies. You know, this is something that we're seeing across the board is that there is a, I'm going to assume, deliberate work slowage where it comes to getting services from the insurance companies. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen or read the book, uh, The Rainmaker. It talks about insurance companies and how sometimes they participate in things that help them to save money. Uh, and, and in the book and in the movie, it talks about how they will deliberately uh, stamp, not all insurance companies by any stretch of the imagination, but that some insurance companies will deliberately stamp things denied um, on the off chance that it just takes, even if it takes people a month longer to write back and say, you can't deny this, it's in my policy, um, that's a month that they saved on those services. That's really dirty and underhanded, and I would like to think that a lot of insurance companies aren't doing that. Um, and that they're just having trouble keeping up with their paperwork, I don't know. I can't know. None of us can. But there are ways to fight it. There are absolutely ways to fight it. And one of the things that I always tell you is, um, you know, OT and speech are great services and we want to get them for our kids, but a lot of times your school will pay for that. And that's a much easier thing if your child is school age or over the age of three in the United States, ask the school to just get that started. And they're usually they're just all too happy to give you that because they have that available. Um, and they feel like it calms us down and, and that it makes them look like the good eye, the, the good guy. So talk to them about that. But for the ABA therapies, find your ABA provider and go to them and say, fight my insurance company. And then, you know, do nice things for the ABA people, call them up and say, you're doing a great job. You're so heroic. It's fabulous because they're fighting the good fight for you, but put it in their hands. They know how to fight it. Um, they know what they're doing. It's going to be faster. You got to monitor it, right? Because they're fighting it for hundreds of other people as well. And you want to stay, uh, you know, I'm not saying bribe them. You don't need to bribe your ABA provider, but stay on the nice side. You know what they say about honey and vinegar. You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Um, and your ABA provider is trying really hard. That contract department is fighting really hard for you and for other families, but they're the ones who are good at it. They know their way around that. So I would encourage you to put them on the job. Um, you're more likely going to get something done if you do that. Uh, okay. And in this way, we can get access to those things. It really tears my ticket when people aren't able to use the insurance con uh, coverage that's there because of the different hurdles that they put in front of families. I want to help you to get over those hurdles uh, to the promised land, as they say. Um, that's, that's what we all need to be focusing on. So if I can help you to do that, please give a shout out. Even if it's just to say to you, you're doing an awesome job, keep doing it, right? Because some days you feel like that's it, I'm done, I can't do anymore. And you need a cheerleader, I'll be happy to be your cheerleader for you. Okay. We are going to take a break and then we will be back with more Autism Live after these messages.
Our twins, Justin and Jessica, were premature babies, so we always were very conscientious of their development. But I think it was probably 15 months, Justin started getting really obsessive-compulsive with opening and closing doors. And Justin started tantruming a lot, too. These would be major tantrums that were just completely debilitating to the family. Having to take them out of the house, put them in the car, drive around, just to calm them down. Yeah, I remember a breaking point and just thinking, you know what, we gotta do something, this is not right. Once we were on the track to getting a diagnosis for autism, we started sharing that with our close friends and family. It just so happens that somebody from our older daughter's private school called us out of the blue. She introduced herself and she says, I know that recovery is possible. Those words so early in our journey were a guiding force for us. As we got more educated in knowing what is effective therapies for kids with autism, we realized quality ABA is vital to that progress. That's where we decided that CARD was the right provider for us and for our son. Justin responded very well to therapy. The behaviors were tracked and we saw that what was being instituted was working. Justin, what are you doing? You are coloring, good for you. There was real progress and there was progress that was tangible. I just remember when he, he made a sentence, he said a sentence. We were just happy about it going, no way, I can't believe you just did that. What's the date? The 18th. 18th of what month? December. Oh, what year is it? 2007. Oh, okay, so how old are you today then? The therapies that CARD did for Justin didn't just impact his daily living skills, but it was a positive impact on our entire family. I'm Justin. I am in fourth grade. I like playing video games sometimes. My dream to build a teleporter machine. It's like sometimes it's like we're on an airplane and it's like really long. You guys just say, oh, hurry up with that teleporter machine. I'm waiting on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started Friday Night Lights. This is our third game of the season, and um, it's pretty fun. You have to be fast. We attribute so much of Justin's recovery to CARD. Their goal was the same as our goal. We wanted Justin recovered. June 12, 2008 is a day that I celebrate every year because that is the day that Justin was deemed recovered from autism. And Dr. Doreen Grandpiche met with us, looked at him and just said, he's brilliant. You need to keep his mind stimulated because he's very smart and he has no residual traits of autism. Welcome back to Autism Live. We're having a very exciting day talking with several different adult gentlemen who are on the autism spectrum. And to continue that along, we are going to join now via Skype with Scott Lentini. He is on the autism spectrum and he is a poet. Scott, thank you so much for being with us today. <clears throat> thank you very much. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how old you are, and when you started writing poetry, Scott. 
I am uh, 26 years old and I'm from Billerica, Massachusetts, um, which is uh, like about uh, 40 minutes uh, north of Boston. So you've had a bit of snow this winter, haven't you? Oh, yeah, like two months <laughs> in, in February. Yeah. Uh, but you are, are you have a wonderful blog site in which you write your poetries, and, and we ha had it up on the screen, and we're going to put it up again. Um, but when did you decide to start writing poetry, Scott? I think it almost... I think it, over two years ago. Uh-huh. And and were you done with college by that point, or were you still in college? Done. And and we should say you didn't go to college for poetry or for writing. What did you major in in college? Religious studies major with a biology minor. Which are two interesting subjects to do together. I find that fascinating. Um, but so what... What convinced you to write your first poem? Well, uh, well, at that point, uh, I was, um, I was, in, um, didn't really have as active of a workload as I should have at that at that point, and then also, in part, there were not too many poems and or songs written about autism, for one thing. Yeah. And your poems have gotten a lot of attention from a lot of different people. Uh, a lot of big-name stars and advocates have looked at your poems and said, these are really remarkable. Um, I have to say, you have a, you have a beautiful, beautiful uh, voice for poetry. Um, and, and so who's the most exciting person for you that has looked at your poems? Um, well, I think that, well, I think that, well, I think in the, in the autism world, certainly, um, people like, um, Susan Senator, um, Stephen Shore, Claire Lezubnik, and, and a young animator named Danny Bowman. Yeah. We've we've had Claire and Danny on the show. I'm so glad that you've connected with Don with Danny, because uh, she's a wonderful artist. Uh, I, I can see you guys doing something together. It's really remarkable. So we want to tell people that they can find your poems at Scott Lentini, but it's spelled L-E-N-T-I-N-E dot WordPress dot com. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to, I'm going to ask Scott if I can read a little bit of this poem that he's got up uh, on his site right now about fall and autism, and we're going to talk a little bit about the work that Scott is doing right now, so stick with us. I'm Bryce Myler, and I'm the Contracts Director for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. I've been here for about five years. CARD has several employees with many years of insurance experience uh, dealing with insurance, dealing with pre-authorizations, dealing with discovering whether there's coverage or not. So we have more experience than any ABA provider that I've ever come across. So for, for a prospective client, somebody that may be interested in you know ABA therapy and what CARD has to offer, we have a special 800 number, um, and you call that number. They will talk to you about what we have to offer. 
uh, how ABA works. He'll ask you for the front and back of your ID card, and then we check to see if you do or do not have coverage. If you have coverage for ABA therapy, we try to do whatever we can to set it up where we can bill for you and you don't have to fight with the insurance company every month to get your claims paid. For California residents, we recently did a series of insurance trainings all over the state and you can click on the link below to watch pretty much the full presentation. It has a lot of information how you can get your insurance company to, to comply with what they're supposed to do, uh, understanding the networks and many other um, valuable pieces of information. Welcome back to Autism Live. Via Skype right now, we have Scott Lentini with us. He is uh, a young man in his 20s on the autism spectrum, and he has been writing some really remarkable poetry. Scott, before I read part of this poem that you wrote, Acceptance of Autism, tell our viewers, how old were you when you were first diagnosed with aut autism? Um, 18 months, so this was like an in 1989, I believe it, and, and, and at that time it was considered PDD, NOS at the time. Uh-huh. And then, and then later on, did they say autism or Asperger's or if you were PDD, NOS at that point, what were you considered later on? I think like, um, I think it, like um, high function and autism and or Asperger's depend on who you talk to. Yeah, uh, it really is a depending on who you talk to. But you, as we were, were saying before, went to college, majored in religious studies and biology, and uh, you are you are working right now as an intern advocating for autism rights, correct? Yep. Uh, I think that's remarkable. But you are also a poet, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you today. People can find your poems at Scott Lentini. It's spelled S-C-O-T-T-L-E-N-T-I-N-E.wordpress.com. Uh, on that site right now, you have a beautiful poem called Acceptance of Autism, and Scott said during the break that it was okay for me to read it. Uh, so acceptance of autism, wanting to be free, wanting to be me, trying to make people see and accept the real me. Some people think my voice is too loud and that my mannerisms strike them as being odd. This perception of me by others keeps me feeling blue, but there are plenty of struggles in life that I must get through. I am determined to show my critics my true personality, hoping that people move away from their narrow-minded ment mentalities. I want them to know that I am a bright young man who is willing to take on as many challenges in life as I can. I want to make new friends and create a new start. I like to develop new relationships with an open heart. I hope to be accepted for the person that I am so people can understand a true autistic man really remarkable Scott it's gonna make me cry it's just absolutely beautiful and so what was your inspiration for this poem did something happen or this just came to you well I think um over the um well I think in some ways some um, 
both because in a lot of ways um people with autism do face like um a harsh uh, reality like in the present world they're still not given like um proper accommodations in the felon fields education employment and in healthcare. Yeah. Uh, but you are you are fighting for individuals who are on the autism spectrum, both in an office setting and through your words, which is really remarkable. Yeah. And uh, has there been talk about you putting together a book of poems, Scott? Oh, oh lots of people have um, have said the friends, uh, family, like. Um, everyone else yeah and i and i think there's even been a couple of singers who have talked to you about your are people talking about setting some music to your words yeah i think um well people that i've gotten responses from i think musically at least um were um the folk singer tom rush also um john sebastian of the of the loving spoonful as well as um i think it um is um certain like local singer songwriters and and um and someday it would actually um be great if um if i heard from people like um carol king um yeah. um Carly Simon and um and even like um like non sooner people like um like Doug Flutie and right. and Michael J. Fox. Well, I have a feeling that a lot of that is going to come to pass for you, Scott. You are a remarkable young man and very talented, and I, I think you're going to do a lot of great things in this life. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you were able to come with us today and to share some of this. Again, we want to encourage people to check out the rest of your poetry. Go to Scott Lentini. It's spelled S-C-O-T-T-L-E-N-T-I-N-E dot WordPress dot com. Scott, thank you so much for your words and for being here with us today. Um, thank you. All right. Take care. Really remarkable young man. You really have to read some of these uh, amazing poems. Uh, really spectacular. Very heartwarming. And they're not all about autism. He writes about poetry, or he writes about fall in New England on this same site. Uh, it's just really, really beautiful. So uh, check that out, scotlantini.wordpress.com. We're going to take a break and come back to finish out the show. Stick with us. Oh, no, we're not taking a break. We're at the end. Emily says, no, 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 there is no time. So let me talk a little bit about what's happening the rest of this week because it's really huge, you guys. Okay, so first, tomorrow we have Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grampache will be here, and she's going to be answering your questions in real time. You guys wrote in a lot of stuff over the weekend, so I've got a bunch of questions, but I can squeeze in some more, so definitely write in. Then tomorrow during Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, Nancy Allspot Jackson will be here with me, and our very special guest, we ha having him back, 
Vince Redmond, who is a marriage and family therapist and also someone who has more than 20 years of experience doing ABA therapy with individuals, both young and older. He's so great with our teenagers and adults on the autism spectrum. He's going to be here with us and answering your questions uh, that are appropriate for a marriage and family therapist. And we're really going to be focusing tomorrow on siblings, on what we do for siblings. We know that it's so difficult to be a, a kid who uh, is, is seeing everything happen for your sister or your brother and having to deal with their moods and their therapists and their schedule. We know that's really hard. So Vince is going to be talking with us about what we can do for the siblings to include them in the program and help them to not feel left out. And we'll be taking your questions for Vince as well. Now on Thursday, we are welcoming back Dr. Del Nadowski and we are also having Dr. Jonathan Tarbox with us as well, continuing answering your questions. But in addition to that, we have two really incredible guests that are going to be with us. Um, we have uh, somebody who's going to be with us from an amazing ABA organization that is a nonprofit organization. I know you go, what? What's that about? Um, and it has like a Hawaiian name uh, that I, I don't want to mangle, but uh, really looking forward to having them speak with us about how they're doing ABA, being an ABA provider in a nonprofit format uh, will be really remarkable. And then we're also at the very end on Thursday, we're going to have Bill Cowell with us and he is the producer behind the film Bad IQ. I know this was something that was in the news a lot lately. It's a film that's already been started, um, being made about what it's like to have Asperger's. It features a lot of different um, personalities from the entertainment world like Bill Cosby and Philip Seymour Hoffman. There's been a lot of buzz in the press about what was Philip Seymour Hoffman doing uh, working on a documentary about autism. You're going to find that all out on Thursday in the very last portion of the hour. But I also want to take a second to tell all of you that we've got a really remarkable event coming up on the 14th of March. That's a Friday. We're not usually live on Friday anymore, but we are for one special hour with Holly Robinson Pete. We're going to talk about it end to end in, an, in a one capsulated hour, just Holly and I, uh, about what it's like having a teenager on the autism spectrum. Spectrum, what's new with the Holly Rod Foundation, and how is technology changing autism, and what does that have to do with Miss Holly Robinson Pete? I will tell you that we are going to be giving away the Nobby people have given us two of those fabulous Nobbies. They are tablets, but they are specifically designed for kids with a bumper that's virtually indestructible and that comes loaded with amazing programs that are great for any kid, but particularly great for our kids on the autism spectrum. So Holly's going to be here on that Friday. You want to set your timers for that so that you tune in for that. And we're going to be giving away two uh, nobbies and you'll find out more information about that during that hour. So that is on the 14th of March. Really remarkable lineup that we have coming up. So you won't want to miss any of that. I want to say, as we're out of time here, privileged to be here, and thanks again to Fullerton Cares for hosting a really remarkable event on Saturday. We'll be back tomorrow with Ask Dr. Doreen. Until then, please give your kiddos a hug from me. Bye-bye for now.